0: I started covering abortion full-time for The Post two years ago, right around the time when the Texas Heartbeat Act went into effect, banning abortion after about six weeks of pregnancy. That's before a lot of people even know that they're pregnant.
1: The Lone Star State now home to the Texas Heartbeat Law, which bans most abortions. It outlaws abortions once a doctor detects a fetal heartbeat. The fetal heartbeat bill led to protests across Texas. The most serious threat to Roe v. Wade, which guaranteed...
0: It might be hard to remember this now because so much has happened since. But even before Roe v. Wade was overturned last June, nine months before Roe v. Wade was overturned last June, this law changed everything in Texas.
1: This is Caroline Kitchener. She covers abortion for The Post.
0: At the time, I was reporting a lot on people who were frantically trying to leave the state, driving many, many hours to get abortions in New Mexico, Colorado, Oklahoma. But I kept wondering about the people who couldn't leave Texas or decided not to. What would happen to them? It's that question that first brought me to Brooke and Billy.
2: Thank you so much for my snuggles.
0: Brooke and Billy became teenage parents because of the Texas abortion ban. Brooke wanted to get an abortion, but she couldn't. And they now have twins. Uh, uh, uh. I wrote a story about Brooke and Billy and their daughters more than a year ago. The question I had back then was, really, can they make this work? The answer was a very tentative yes. Now, the question that I went back with was, can they keep holding it together?
1: From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Will Arimas, your guest host today. It's Tuesday, August 1st. Today, nearly two years after the Texas Heartbeat Act went into effect, Caroline returns to a family compelled into existence by the new law to see what their lives are like now. And so when we last left Brooke and Billy, they were living in Texas, right? And she was spending a lot of time, you said, alone in a room with the babies, with the twins. Where are they now? What's happened since?
0: A lot has happened since. So right before the story published last year... Brooke and Billy got married. They went to a courthouse and they signed some papers. And then just a few days after that, Billy left for basic training. He joined the Air Force.
2: I know that whenever I knew we were having twins, I was like, damn, what the hell? My uncle has two kids and a two-story house and he's in the Air Force. That's pretty nice.
0: So that was a huge change for Billy. Now, before any of this happened, he thought he would live in Corpus forever, just skating every day with his friends, working, you know, whatever job he could find, just hanging out. But he enlisted in the military and he agreed to stay for six years because it came with a good bonus. That's the next six years of his life. He was away at basic training and then technical school, and he got assigned to go to a base in Tampa, Florida. And right after Thanksgiving, they packed up everything that they own into a U-Haul, and they drove 18 hours from Corpus Christi to Tampa.
1: And did Billy joining the military change their relationship?
0: A lot about Billy was different. A lot about both of them was different. Yep, it was he was like a new person. He didn't even know how to like be a normal human being. He was fresh out of basic like he was very different. How? Like you can just tell that he was like conditioned to like think a certain way and like act a certain way. Like he didn't like jump out of the car to like hug me or anything. He was
2: just very still and I walked Did he see you? Yeah, he saw me. And then I walked into the car and he finally he gets out like slowly
0: and he has to like wear his hat and his, like, uniform has to be all perfect or whatever, but he 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 gives me a hug, and we finally, you know, see each other, and we go inside, but you can just tell he was just, like, very different. You know, she fell in love with this guy who... Um, on a good day, he would spend eight hours at the skate park. He was, like, known in Corpus. Everybody knew, you know, Billy because he was so good at skating. And and he would help other people learn the tricks. And, um, you know, he told me he would show up at the skate park with his tripod and his Tupperware of watermelon, and he he would be good to go for many hours. And that was his whole jam. That was what he did. and uh, And that was all he wanted to do, right? He really didn't want to join the military. But... You know, he told me that he didn't really feel like he had another choice. He he talks about, you know, in, in, in a lot of his life is skateboarding, and, and he talks about the importance of committing in skateboarding. He'll say, um, you know, you commit, you commit to the move, like you go for it. You totally go for it, or you don't. Yeah. And like, committing means what?
2: Going for it. Yeah. Feet on the board. Yeah. No matter what, landed or died
0: trying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he kind of talks about his decision to stay with Brooke and to raise these kids in the same way.
2: If everyone does that for a person, after you've done it for so long,
0: he just kind of says, "Well, yeah. Like I committed. Like I was going to do it. I was doing it." And uh, he did everything in his power to you know, position himself to provide for them in the best way possible.
1: All right. So Billy's in the military. He's this new man. He's decided to go for it and make the commitment. What about Brooke? What what is her life like now in Tampa?
0: So Brooke stays home with the girls and she cares for them full time. And parts of that have been extremely rewarding. She really loves being a mom. She loves giving the girls a bath, putting them to bed.
2: I just, really emotional, really? I don't know if it's like my hormones or what, but I love holding them. like that. And singing to them, I think
0: it reminds me, but other parts of her life have been extremely difficult. You know, she's living in this new city where she knows no one. and she doesn't have anybody else besides her husband to help her with the girls. And her husband, Billy, he's at work from two o'clock in the afternoon until after eleven. And so she's just by herself in the apartment, and she dropped out of school when she got pregnant. She's thinking about going back, but it's hard to imagine how she'd do that. I'm tired of um, not having uh, an education, not mm-hmm. not having like any plans, you know, like in regards to school. And, you know, it'd be nice to have something to keep you busy and something that I can depend on. And also Judge Judy, but... Okay, so yeah, so tell me what Judge Judy says. Like, not to depend on a man. Yeah. And to always make sure that you can support yourself. Not to put yourself in a vulnerable position. Yeah. So she wants to go back to school, but she can't even, like, leave the house with these two babies because... They're toddlers, and there are two of them. And as soon as she steps outside, they zoom off in two different directions. She can't even take them to the playground by herself because she can't control where they go. And one of them might, you know, fall off the jungle gym. It's it's so hard. hard. Like if I wanted to leave the house, I would just be like by myself with like the babies. And it was just a lot physically for me to do. So the easiest thing for her to do is just stay home and take care of them in her apartment. Brooke felt extremely alone. At times, you know, especially right after she moved there, she didn't know how to make friends. You know, how do you make friends as a mom of two twins in a place where you don't know anybody? So she actually ended up writing a note on Facebook, posting in a Facebook group for local military wives. My name is Brooke, and these are my twin daughters, Kendall and Olivia. We moved here in December and haven't had any luck finding friends. If anybody would like to get coffee, work out, or have a play date, please let me know.
1: In the story, there were all these moments that sort of stuffed me cold with a duality of Brooke's life as a mother, right? Like in, in one moment, she's reflecting on how she feels like she's judged as a mom everywhere she goes. And then the next she's blowing kisses to her twins as they're sloshing around in the bathtub and shrieking in delight. It sounds like she's ambivalent about her life at this point. Is that that right?
0: Well, I don't think she's ambivalent about the fact that she has the girls, you know, like she loves them so much, you know, she says she can't She can't imagine, like, you know, I ask her to think about, you know, what if this law hadn't taken effect? What if, you know, you had had the abortion? She can't even really go there in her mind. Like, she loves these girls. These are her daughters. And, you know, and she'll say, you know, these are my babies. They're people. But I I do think there are moments where both Brooke and Billy kind of allow themselves to imagine a life If this had never happened and they had stayed on the trajectory that they were going on kind of with their own independent lives, you know, one thing that they both have told me is that they probably wouldn't be together. So, you know, everything about their lives would be different if this abortion law had not taken effect.
1: Right. We we often hear about abortion from the perspective of the person who was carrying the pregnancy to Brooke in this case, and it has clearly changed her whole life. But you also spoke quite a bit with Billy, the father. And how is he thinking about this? How, how have things gone for him since joining the military and, and taking on this commitment?
0: I think it's been really hard. And, you know, in this case, this is not what always happens. But, you know, this is a dad that, that committed, that stuck around. And, um, you know, I think that he has the same kind of back and forth that Brooke experiences. He loves being a dad. You know, he'll talk about how much he loves, you know, how happy he is when he's throwing the girls up in the air and they're looking at him like he's a million bucks.
2: Whenever uh, they say hi or dad, <laughs> yeah, Olivia's, Olivia will be like, hi, and like wave her arm. And that's really cute. And I like throwing them up in the air. Yeah. And they'll be like super happy and I like to spin them and they'll yeah. be super happy.
0: And that just like made him feel like, you know, the, it was just the best thing ever. But, you know, like Brooke, I think, you know, he does think about what his life might be if, you know, all of this had not happened. And, you know, I think a big thing that brings that up is the conflict that you know, will arise between him and his wife um, when they're just kind of enduring the daily stresses and pressures of being a young couple raising these girls. What have been, like, the hardest things of being here? Uh,
2: Having to learn to, like, live with another person and take care of two more people. Yeah. While learning to live with that person, probably. Um, And then... Not the work so much, but leaving my wife here at home responsible for those two babies while I'm at work for like nine hours, 10 hours. That's probably the hardest thing.
1: And so how are Brooke and Billy thinking about the role of these laws in their lives? And Roe v. Wade being overturned now that they're a year and a half into parenthood as a result of the Texas abortion ban.
0: I think it's really hard for them to think about it. They don't They don't think about it very much. Like, I was asking them about it, which is why they were thinking about it when I was there. But, um, you know, they say if they see it on the news, it's sort of a passing thought, and then they move on because this is their life, and they have other things to think about raising two twins. But when you really force them to sit there and process it, it is really difficult, I think, for both of them to parse how they feel about it because, you know, Brooke will say things like people you know, should be able to make a choice. um, And she feels really bad for all of the young girls that are forced to carry pregnancies that they, you know, didn't want or weren't ready for. But then, you know, she'll also think about Kendall and Olivia and the fact that the result of Roe v. Wade is potentially a lot more Kendall's and Olivia's in the world. And she'll just sort of say, I don't know. Like, it's, it's just really hard for both of them to reckon with the fact that people are being compelled to carry pregnancies as they have, that has resulted in them having babies that they love, but they also are just acutely aware of how difficult it is. So it's really difficult for them to kind of make a, you know, broad sweeping statement about these laws and and how they feel about them.
1: And as much of a struggle as it's been for them, there are actually, of course, parents out there who have even less going for them in a way right when they have a baby. They have maybe less family support. Um, maybe the the father doesn't make the commitment that Billy did. How many other families out there are there now that, that have kids as a direct result of these laws at this point? Do we know?
0: Well, I'm so glad you made that point because in, in a lot of ways, they are exceptional. I mean, I, I You know, I I think that, um, you know, certainly there are a lot of fathers out there that make a different choice than Billy made um, or a lot of partners out there that, that, that make a different choice. We don't have any numbers on the number of extra, for lack of a better word, extra births that have resulted from the Dobbs decision. But we are starting to get early data on the Texas law, which, you know, like I said, took effect about nine months before Roe was overturned. And we know that according to analysis conducted by researchers at Johns Hopkins, the Texas law over the past year likely resulted in more than 9,000 extra live births. So it's definitely having an effect.
1: So Caroline, your first article about Brooke and Billy came out in June of last year. The headline was, This Texas teen wanted an abortion. She now has twins. And it got a huge reaction, right?
0: It did. And the really fascinating thing about that story for me was... The people read it in two completely different ways. I think, you know, through the lens of how they feel about this issue. So you had, you know, anti-abortion people saying— you know, this is wonderful. There are two babies in the world. Their parents love them. They got married. He's joining the military. This is really kind of holding them up as poster children for what an abortion ban can do. But on the other side, you had abortion rights advocates saying this is a tragedy. She dropped out of school. This ambitious young woman, you know, her life in so many ways is just so much more difficult and, you know, wrenching than it was before or it would have been otherwise. So that that was just fascinating for me. That wasn't necessarily something that I had expected writing the story.
1: After the break, can Brooke and Billy hold it together? And what is it like for them to have become symbols for so many people? We'll be right back. So this follow-up story you wrote, it isn't just a story about babies or abortion. It's a story about their marriage, about their lives and their family. And it touches on gender and the unequal burdens of parenthood and the strain between them. And I wondered, have they actually had second thoughts about that, about their partnership?
0: Yes. I think the, the the whole time that I was reporting this I was just trying to remind myself like these were two people who had been dating for 3 months. Like they had this like you know beautiful summer romance where they went to the beach all the time, they went to the skate park all the time. And then they found out that they were pregnant. And you know these were not two people that were planning to get married. They really they really liked each other. They loved each other. You know, they would tell each other that, but it wasn't like a life plan, you know, at that moment. And then suddenly it was. Suddenly it was like, okay, we are making a full commitment to each other or we're not. And and they decided to. And so, you know, now fast forward a year and a half and there is real strain that exists. I think that they both are, you know, at moments upset about, the daily routine that they have, you know, for Brooke, just the unbelievable pressure of having to take responsibility and care for these girls alone for so many hours. For Billy, it's, you know, having this this career and this work responsibility that he you know didn't necessarily want. And you know, I think as is natural, they take it out on each other sometimes. Have you, like, have there been moments where you have thought about changing the situation? Uh, And leaving or separating? mm
2: -hmm. There definitely have been, like, arguments. Because I didn't want to be, like, in a relationship where I'm getting, like, yelled at and we're arguing all the time. And I think I miss, like, the freedom of being a regular teenager or whatnot being, like, alone. Uh, at those points like that was like when we like kind of like first moved here
0: and they have talked about you know whether it would make more sense to split up and i think for that reason at a lot of times for brooke it feels like you know she is holding this together right now but she's holding it together by a thread and it could come apart and i think she you know as she navigates her life and and goes through her days. That is a thought, you know, at the back of her mind. So Brooke is thinking about going back to school, starting an online education program for military spouses. It was hard for her to imagine how she could make that work, caring for the girls while going back to school. And she talked to Billy about that, and he actually said, you know, I I think you can do that. It's not that hard to juggle. He was basically saying, he told me he didn't think it would be that hard to watch them and go to school. And then, of course, when he's um, taking care of the girls alone by himself, of course, the first thing he says is, okay, I understand. One of the things they fight a lot about is you know, their their standards for raising the girls, how they want to raise them. Brooke, you know, has a very particular idea of how she wants to parent. And sometimes Billy's thoughts on that are different.
1: Yeah, some of the strains they have, I think are probably familiar to lots of couples who are raising kids together. But I can only imagine how much harder it is given that they didn't choose this, right? They didn't choose to be parents. And they're the first ones to say that they weren't ready for this, right? I mean, they didn't feel like full adults going into it.
0: It's such a human story that I think a lot of people can relate to, whether or not they were, you know, compelled into parenthood by an abortion ban. So many of their struggles are just exactly as you said, just so, you know, they are part of the fabric of being in a relationship and being a parent. And they're both, I think, figuring out how they cope in tense situations like that. And for Billy, it's going and disengaging with the situation and going and sitting out in his car and turning off the lights and just sitting there for as long as it takes to calm down and process and take a moment, I think, to consider his options. In those moments, he's told me that's really when he's thinking, okay, what, what would it look like to leave You know, who would take the girls? How would that work? You know, what would the days look like if we were apart? It would probably look, you know, and he'll say this, it would probably look like Brooke taking them back to Corpus and him staying in Tampa now that he's in the military there. And, you know, he says sitting in those car on nights like that, that those thoughts tend to pass quickly because... He loves his girls so much, and he realizes that if they split up, he's probably not going to see very much of them. And that just makes him incredibly sad.
1: There's this tendency to, I think, for people to want to put their own lens on a story like this. The story doesn't really feel tidy in in either way. I mean, what about for Brooke and Billy? How do they see their own story? Do they see themselves as an argument for something or an emblem of anything.
0: Absolutely not. Like, they were just so confused by the way that people saw the first story, you know? Like, they they did become these sort of symbols for different abortion arguments, which they just— well, to quote Brooke, she said, it's just a little bit weird. <laughs> uh, that's what she said to me, because, you know, she— she's very aware, especially, that the anti-abortion movement has painted them as sort of this ultimate pro-life success story. Because, you know, if you look at it on the surface level, like, absolutely, right? Like, they had the babies, and then they got married, and then Billy joined the military, and they are making it work. But what Brooke will say is, I don't understand why we are held up as a success story because—and these are her words— because it's so imperfect. You know, it's so hard. It just, it feels to her like it's, it's just so much more complicated than that.
1: Caroline Kitchener, national reporter for The Post. Thank you so much for coming on.
0: Thank you so much, Will. It was a great conversation.
1: Caroline Kitchener is a national reporter covering abortion. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by Jordan Marie Smith and edited by Maggie Penman. Thank you to Peter Walston and Alana Gordon. This is Will Arimus. Thanks for having me as your guest host. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.